On today's episode of the Network for Women in Business podcast, you're going to hear from Michelle Seiler Tucker, who is the author of the best-selling book, Exit Rich. I have to tell you that Michelle delivers a wealth of knowledge and information. So this is one that you're gonna wanna listen to and pay very close attention. So grab a pen and a piece of paper and let's get ready to learn right now. Greetings and hello, everyone, and welcome to the podcast. I am so, so super excited today because we have a very, very special guest. We have Michelle Seiler Tucker, and she is the founder and CEO of Seiler Tucker Incorporated. It is a 20-year-old veteran mergers and acquisitions company. Michelle and her firm has sold over a thousand companies in almost every vertical. I have to tell you that Michelle is also a best-selling author and you're going to hear more about that. She wrote a book called Sell Your Business for More Than It's Worth and her latest book is called Exit Rich and it just released last month. So we're really excited to have her and hear her talk about all of that. Now Michelle has been featured in many different places like Inc. Magazine, Forbes, Entrepreneur, You USA Magazine, and Michelle regularly is featured on radio and TV appearances on Fox News and CBNC. She's graced the stage with some of the top entrepreneurs such as Donna Karen, Stedman Graham, and a whole host more. Michelle helps individuals become very successful at mergers and acquisitions. She is the best in her field. She is a leading authority on buying, selling, fixing, and growing businesses. And you know what? That's exactly what we're going to talk to Michelle about today. So Michelle, we're really excited to have you and welcome, welcome, welcome to the show. Thanks, Tony. Thank you for having me on. Well, I'm excited to hear everything that you have to offer. One of the first things I want to talk about, though, because I know my audience and I know my listeners, most of them are in the beginning phases of their businesses, and they're not really even thinking about exiting their business at this point in time. But when should they really start thinking about their strategy? So, you know, that's a great question because most people don't think about selling their business until a catastrophic event occurs. And then they wonder why their business won't sell. (laughs) You know, Steve Forbes says 80% of businesses on the market will never sell. Mm -hmm. That means you have less than a 20% chance of success. So the main reason that businesses don't sell, that 80% of companies will never sell, is because business owners have never built a business that buyers want to buy. Because business owners don't think about selling their business until a catastrophic event occurs, rather that's health issues, partners' disputes, divorce, death, external. Those are all internal issues. External is this pandemic that we've been in for the last year and a half. Mm -hmm. And that's typically the worst time to sell your business. You never want to sell your business during a catastrophe. So you really want to build your business to sell from the beginning. Like Stephen Covey says, start with the end in mind. Mm -hmm. So all of your listeners should be planning their exit now. As crazy as that sounds, as counterproductive as that sounds, you need to start with the end in mind and plan your exit now. Because if you do that, then you're going to build your business much differently if you're planning on selling it than you would if you're just keeping it as a lifestyle business or as a solar entrepreneur. It's kind of like your house. You know, if you, if you, 
if you're planning on selling your house, what do you do? You start fixing it. You start painting it. You start staging it. You start cleaning out the yard. You start planting things, you know, and same thing with your business. You really need to start with the end in mind and build a business that somebody actually wants to buy. And I call this my GPS exit model in my book, Exit Rich. Yeah, I think your book is probably not just a book, but it's also a tool that people can use and people can follow. Tell us a little bit about the strategy and how they could use that book as a tool. Sure. Well, let's walk them through one of the strategies. Let's walk them through um, how to create your own GPS exit model. So let's walk your listeners through that because I really think that's one of the most important concepts that comes out of Exit Rich. And the second most important concept is building your business on a solid infrastructure, a solid foundation on what we call the six Ps. So you're in Queens, right? Yep. If you want to drive somewhere, what do you do? You pull out your phone and what do you plug in? You plug in where are you going? And you have a starting point and an ending point. So I have my address, where I'm at, and then I put in the address address of where I'm going. So you plug in your destination, right? Absolutely. And so that's the thing with most business owners. Most business owners don't plan to fail, they fail the plan. Mm-hmm. Most business owners don't have a destination. Mm-hmm. They don't have a destination. They don't have an end game. You just said, I plug in my end, <laughs> you know, where yeah. I want to end up at. Right. They don't have an end up at, you know, they don't have an end up at. So business owners, what happens if you don't plug in a destination? Where do you go, Tony? You don't go anywhere. You don't go anywhere. You drive around in circles, right? Right. Or you're lost. <laughs> and that's what happens with business owners. They don't plan to fail. They fail to plan. And most business owners, you know, don't have that destination. They don't have that end game. So they're driving around in circles or driving up and down the financial hills to end up nowhere. Mm-hmm. So I always tell my clients, pick a number. This is your desired sales price. Pick a number. And Tony clients always get hung up on a number. And I'm like, it's just a number. You can adjust it along the way, right. but pick a number and, you know, pick a big number, but not too big. You know, that's going to scare you. So let's say, Let's say that your business owners want to sell for, what do you say, Tony? Pick a number. You know your audience. About a million. Let's just say a million and a half. Okay. Well, let's say two million. Two million. Let's get a little little excited here. Okay. (laughs) Let's say you want to sell for $2 million, right? Mm -hmm. All right. So now what does a GPS exit model need to know? Now it knows your destination, knows your end game. Now it needs to know, and you said it earlier, it needs to know where you're starting from. Mm -hmm. What is your current location? In other words, in business, what is your current evaluation? What is your business worth today? Now, most business owners, Tony, never, ever get a business evaluation. They don't think about getting a business evaluation until they want to sell their business. And then they're flabbergasted that their business valuation is nowhere close to the number that they had in mind that they could sell their business for. So most, most business owners never get a business valuation. I just talked to a gentleman the other day, been in business 40 years, never had his business evaluated. And that really is financial suicide because if you think about it, we humans go to the doctor once a year to get an annual physical checkup to make sure our heart's still faking and we're still kicking, right? Right. Us women get all kinds of different checkups that we're not going to mention here on air (laughs) to make sure that we're healthy. Right. But we don't take our most valuable asset, which is our business, and we don't get an annual valuation checkup. 
that's financial suicide because there are events that increase valuation. There are events to decrease valuation. Mm -hmm. This pandemic is a perfect example of that. So every year you want to know what your business is worth. Mm -hmm. So let's say you want to sell for $2 million. That's your destination. And let's say your business valuation, your business is currently worth a half a million. Mm -hmm. Okay. Next, the next step in the GPS exit model is time frame. When do you want to sell that business for $2 million? Let's say you want to do it in 10 years. You got 10 years to build a $2 million company. Mm -hmm. I think everybody listening can do that. I really do. Everyone listening can build a $2 million company. So the next step you need to know is, well, who are my buyers going to be? If I want to sell for $2 million, who are my buyers? Now, notice I say buyers, Tony, and not buyer. Right. right. Because, you know, clients call me all the time and say, Michelle, I already have the buyer. I just need you to represent me with that one buyer. And I'm like, no, <laughs> I won't do it unless I can also put it on the market and bring multiple buyers. Because if you have one buyer, I can promise you that the likelihood of that buyer closing on the sale of your business is going to be slim to none. Wow. Well, then you have no backup buyers. Plus, how can we ever maximize value if we can't create a bidding war because we have, comp we have no competition? We have a party right. of one. Mm -hmm. So you always want backup buyers. So there's five types of buyers that your listeners need to know about. First-time buyers, 90% of buyers are first-time buyers. They don't buy $2 million companies. Mm -hmm. They buy coffee shops and dry cleaners and restaurants and small businesses like that. And that's okay. If, if, if your listeners have small businesses, there are buyers for small businesses. 90% right. of buyers are first-time buyers. Then there's turnaround specialists. They buy distressed assets. They don't buy $2 million companies. Then we have private equity groups, PEGs. Yeah. Private equity groups will consider a $2 million company as an add-on, but not a platform. They buy two ways. They buy based on platform and add-ons. Mm -hmm. So a platform is, let's say that they want to get into, um, let's say they want to get into staffing. Mm -hmm. And they currently don't have a platform. They won't even consider your staffing company unless it has at least $3 million and up in EBITDA. Mm -hmm. EBITDA is earnings before interest, mm -hmm. taxes, depreciation, amortization. Mm -hmm. Let's say they're already in staffing. Then they'll consider your business for under a million dollars in EBITDA. Okay. Mm -hmm. The third type of buyer, fourth type of buyer is um, strategic slash competitors. They typically will pay the highest multiple because they are paying for synergies. Okay. Okay. And then your last type of buyer are competitors I'm sorry, are sophisticated entrepreneurs. I call them storm chasers because they chase cash. Mm -hmm. They're industry agnostic and they chase EBITDA. Mm -hmm. So you have to look at your business and say, okay, if I want to sell my business for $2 million, who's going to be, you know, in all likelihood, the buyer for my business. So it's not going to be a first-time buyer. It's not going to be a turnaround specialist. It could be a first-time buyer. It could if they have enough financing lined up. Right. So then it could be a private equity group. It could be a strategic and or it could be a sophisticated entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. And the next thing you have to ask yourself, OK, well, now that I have my plan, I have to reverse engineer the numbers and figure out if I want to sell for two million, what does my gross revenues need to be? My right. COGS, operating expenses, most importantly, where's my EBITDA need to land? And your EBITDA is going to have to be around a half a million dollars to sell for 2 million, you know, between a half million to 700,000 mm -hmm. to sell for that $2 million price tag. And then the next step, the last, one of the last steps is 
What are the characteristics that the buyers are looking for? What would make somebody pay more money for my business? Why would someone outbid everybody else for my synergies? Right. And then you build your business to meet their specific criteria. It's kind of like Tony, when, when, when entrepreneurs start a business, they're like, here's my widget, rather that's consulting, rather that's, you know, dentistry, rather that's service-based business manufacturer, whatever it is, Mm -hmm. here's my widget. Then they say, here's my specific target audience, right? Right. And what do we do? We build everything to meet that target specific audience's needs. Mm-hmm. Your business is your widget. Your <laughs> business is your widget. The buyers are your specific target markets. You know, you're not going to sell the turnarounds. You're probably not going to sell the first time. So you're going to sell the peg strategics or sophisticated. Right. So you want to build your business to meet their specific criteria so you can maximize value. Make sense? It does. It makes perfect sense. And then the last step in that equation, Tony, and all of us women know this, you have to have a powerful why. If you don't have a powerful why to keep you motivated, to keep you, you know, in the game, to keep you strong, to keep you weathering all the financial storms, then you'll never sell it. If it was easy to sell a $2 million company, everybody would be doing it. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. So you need a strong, powerful why to keep you in the game and keep you motivated, you know, because it's not easy to be in business, especially for women, Mm -hmm. because we have so many other challenges that we deal with on a daily basis, you know. Absolutely. Now, I'm curious about, you know, your six P's that you talk about that really, you know, make a company look good and make a company kind of ready to sell. And I think that, you know, when when I think about those six P's and I think about a lot of the female entrepreneurs that I work with, I have to tell you, I think about that company in your case study, the graphics company that probably only had two or three of the of the six P's. But their case study was so fascinating because they were able to go back and build up those other P's, which made mm-hmm. them a lot stronger. And I think they were able to pick up a partner or something like that. So I was a partner. You were? <laughs> a partner was me. Wow. Okay. That, see, that's, that's pretty amazing. And that's where I think that most of us need the help in really getting those, those, it's almost like six pillars that you need in order to be very, very strong. So why don't you break that down for us? Sure. So it is the six pillars that you need. And most companies run on two to four of the pillars, even larger businesses, you know, a lot of, a lot of people think, oh, well, larger businesses run on all six P's. That's not true. I have lots of large businesses that don't have all their processes together. Right. Uh, lots of them that haven't protected their proprietary, you know? So the six P's are your infrastructure. It's your foundation. It's kind of like, if you think about it, when you go to build a house, not that we're building houses, but what do contractors do when they build a house? They build that foundation first, right? They build the foundation. They dig deep, right? They Mm -hmm. go deep. They go deep within. They dig really deep. They put in the foundation. They put in electrical. They put in the AC and heating. They put in everything that's needed in which to support that house. Mm -hmm. And the stronger the foundation, the stronger the house. And that house can withstand you know, hurricanes here in New Orleans. Right, right. <laughs> withstand all the flooding here in New Orleans. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and, you know, withstand all of the different, um, the, the different storms that come our way. Well, same thing with the business. The stronger the foundation, 
the stronger the business will be able to weather all of those financial storms right. that come your way. So a lot of business owners, and I don't want anyone to get offended by this, but it's true. So you need to hear it. <laughs> one, of the, one of the biggest reasons businesses don't sell is because business owners have created a glorified job. Right. They go to work at every day versus a business that actually works for them. If you can't take a vacation without, you know, being having your phone in your ear and having to check on the business nonstop, you don't have a business, you have a job. Yep. So the six P's are designed to create a business that works for you and generates income rather than you working for it. Mm -hmm. So the first P is people. Okay. You don't build a business, you build people and people build the business. Right. So entrepreneurs have to stop working in their business. You need to work on your business. Women especially have to figure out what are their strengths? What are your core competencies? What do you do better than everyone else and delegate the rest? Mm. Focus on your strengths, hire your weaknesses, get the right people in the right seats and ask the who question. Who handles customer service, marketing, legal, accounting, you know, manufacturing, logistics, quality control, environmental, the list goes on and on. The clue here is that you should never be next to the who mm. because we're trying to build a business that runs without you. And a lot of your listeners are probably sitting there thinking, look, lady, I can't afford to hire anybody. And I'm here to say you can't afford not to. <laughs> Right. Because if you don't have an assistant, you are the business. Assistant. Yeah, yeah. You are the assistant. If you don't That's have an it. assistant, you are the assistant. Mm -hmm. So you can afford not to. So maybe you can't start with W-2s, but you can start with 1099s and independent right. contractors. You can also work with colleges, develop a relationship and a partnership with colleges because most colleges have an internship program where the student has to have an internship before they can even graduate. Correct. So I'm just fortunate, you know, New Orleans. So I'm in between Loyola and UNO and Tulane mm -hmm. and, um, and Southeastern and LSU. So we always have a wait list of students that want to do an internship program with us. Mm -hmm. So you got to figure it out. But if you don't have people, you have a job, you don't have a business. That's right. Number two is product. Product is your service, your industry, your product. You have to ask yourself, is it on the way up or on the way out? Do you have an Amazon or do you have a Blockbuster? If you have an Amazon and you're in your prime, which I'm sure none of the listeners right now have an Amazon, but when you get there, <laughs> that's when you should sell. You should sell when you're in your prime because not everything lasts forever. What goes up must come down. And you sell when you're in your prime. Now, let if me you ask a, you, let me ask you a question about that. Sure. What if your product is not necessarily a widget, but it's a service? Well, that is your product. That is your service. Okay. That is your industry. Okay. So pro when I call it product, I'm referring to what is your industry? What is your service? Like you're in consulting, right? Mm -hmm. So your, your widget is consulting. So you'd have to ask yourself, is, is your consulting industry on the way up or on the way out? Well, consulting is always on the way up. It's mm -hmm. not really on the way out. Everybody right. needs consultants. Everybody needs a mentor. Everybody needs an expert. Um, if you would say, I am in, um, I'm in, um, I have a brick and mortar store, retail store. I might say, mm, that might be close to on the way out. 
you know? Right, right. So the business landscape has changed. When I wrote my very first book, Sell Your Business for More Than It's Worth in 2013, I did the research and learned that 90% of all startups would fail in the first one to five years. We all know that. That's common mm-hmm. sense. However, what y'all don't know is when I wrote Exit Rich and did the research, I learned that the business landscape has flip-flopped. Mm. So now it's actually, it's, it's completely flip-flopped. So now it's only 30% of startups will go out of business. Only 30%. Wow. Those businesses, well, here's a bigger wow for you. So get ready for a big wow. Okay. (laughs) Those businesses have been in business for 10 years or longer out of 27.6 million companies, 27.6 million companies. Those businesses have been in business for 10 years or longer. 70% of them will go out of business. 70, 70. Oh, that's crazy. That's crazy. It's crazy, but it's true. And just think about it. You hear about the media. The media talks about the big public companies all the time. Toys R Us and business starting five years goes out of business. Right. Steinmark goes out of business. Steinmark, Pier 1, Kmart, GNC's closing down 1,500, 900 locations. Godiva Chocolate is closing down 1,500 locations. Disney stores are going out of business. But that's just the public companies. I mean, it doesn't talk about the private businesses on every street corner. Right. And every 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 town and every state across the great nation. These business owners are exiting poor. They're selling for pennies on the dollar, closing their business, or even worse, filing bankruptcy. Mm-hmm. So the number one reason for that, the number one reason why it's flip-flopped is because of lack of aim. Aim is A-I-M, always innovate and market, always Mm. innovate and market. Business owners stop innovating, they stop marketing. These business owners have been in business 10 years and plus are like, I'm going to do things the way I've always done them. Great. (laughs) You get in the business. Yeah. Right. Toys R Us. Toys R Us was in business for 75 years. Tell me what Toys R Us really innovated. They they didn't really change much. No. Blockbuster had the opportunity to compete. They had the opportunity to buy Netflix twice and they sat back and did nothing and they're out of business. If you look at all the great businesses, it's because of lack of innovation and lack of marketing. Mm. And so product is where you innovate. Now, there's so many ways you innovate. You can innovate with products. You can innovate with processes. But product is where you innovate. If you're in a dying industry, you don't just pack up and go home. You ask yourself three transformational questions. First and foremost, you ask yourself, what business am I in? Amazon did that in the nineties. They're like, what business are we in? And they said, we're in a book fulfillment business. Mm-hmm. We fulfill book orders. Second, most important question. What do we do better than everybody else? Not well, but better. Right. And Amazon said, we do fulfillment better, better. than everybody else. Yep. I was just saying that to somebody yep. too, the other day. And so the third obvious question is what business should we be in? Should. That means it's time to pivot. Right. <laughs> and Amazon said we should be, hmm, we should be in a fulfillment, fulfillment business, fulfilling products for everyone all around the world, not just books. Right. Those three small transformational questions is what transformed Amazon from a small book fulfillment center to a multi-billion dollar worldwide conglomerate that they are today. Yeah. Where so innovation can, uh, is key. Yeah. Where they can send uh, Jeff Bezos to the to the moon, right? Or- yeah, and then he said his client, <laughs> and he just, he, he had a, yeah. a, a publishing faux pas, I mean, yeah. marketing um, uh, faux pas because he misspoke and said, my customers, customers and my paid employees for paid for this. Mm-hmm. 
and probably not the best thing to say. Right. <laughs> right. But um, he doesn't <laughs> care. They'll forget about it tomorrow. So True. you have to ask yourself those questions. And the only way that you grow in business is you get out of transactional and you become transformational. Mm. That's how you grow. So the third P is processes. Now, processes are very important. You can't really scale if you don't have processes. And yes, you need people, but you also need processes because you can have a lot of people with no processes and it's going to be a circus or nothing mm -hmm. really gets accomplished. So processes kind of like exit strategies where business owners don't think about it till something bad in their company happens. They're like, oh my God, we need a process for that. No, you needed a process before something bad happens to right. prevent it from happening. So processes, most owners get this wrong. Most owners design the processes around their own agenda. Look at doctor's offices. What are the hours of doctor's offices? All doctor's offices. It, it's what business are hours? hours. Business hours. Business hours, Monday through Friday, nine to five, right? Yep, yep. Are those hours designed with the patient's experience in mind or they no. designed with the doctor's agenda? Definitely not the patients, the doctors. Not the patients. Even the chiropractors, even chiropractors are worse than that because their hours are so sporadic. They're all over the place. <laughs> so you really have to go back and ask yourself, what do I want my customers to experience? What's the most important thing? Three things, name three things. And, you know, I don't know if you ever watched the movie The Founder based upon the McDonald brothers. I don't so think I saw that one. I would encourage all you and all of your listeners to watch the founder. So the McDonald brothers started McDonald's back in, in um, 1950. And they said, we want to design a fast food restaurant, a fast food system. We want to design the processes around what we want our customers to experience. Because back then it wasn't any fast food restaurants. You waited 30 minutes to an hour for your food. Right. So they said, we want our customers to experience great tasting food that's hot and fast, 30 seconds or less. Mm. they design those processes around the customer experience, experience. Wow. back in 1950, even though the processes have been obviously tweaked along the way, there is, it's the reason that you can eat at a McDonald's anywhere in the world and get the same experience. They never said great customer service. <laughs> right. They never said healthy food. They right. said great tasting food and their food tastes great, especially the French fries. Right. And they said hot and it's mm -hmm. always hot. And they said 30 seconds or less. So they stuck to their brand promise. That's their brand promise. So you need to ask yourself, what do we want our brand promise to be? Mm -hmm. What do we want our customers to experience? And you, you design your processes around that experience. Have you ever been on the phone with a bank or a retail outlet or social media company where you got to push this number, then this number, then this number to finally get a live person. Yeah. yeah. All of that AI, all of that artificial intelligence, it just yeah. doesn't work. Yeah. And then you finally get a live person on the phone and you tell them your whole story about your problem. And like, I'm sorry, I have to transfer you. Yep. <laughs> and they typically either disconnect you. Yep. Or transfer you and you have to tell your whole story again. Mm-hmm. So really companies have to go back to the basics and ask, what do we want our customers to experience? If you don't create wow experiences for your clients, then you're going to lose market share because they'll go to your competitor. Right.
So your, your, your processes have to be designed with the customer experience in mind. Mm-hmm. They have to be productive and efficient, well-documented. You need those SOP checklists. You need those policy and procedure manuals. And guess what? Policy and procedures are never ending. They never end. You're That's always right. updating and updating and updating. Just when you think you're done, you'll never be done if you're handling processes and procedures correctly. Right. So the fourth P is proprietary. Mm-hmm. Proprietary is the number one value driver. So I'll give you a quick crash course in evaluations. Okay. If you have a business with under a million dollars in EBITDA, and that's probably most of the listeners here, right? Right. right. And they go to sell their business. Your business is going to trade for a multiple of seller's discretionary earnings, net income, or what we call EBITDA, which is right. earnings before taxes, depreciation, and amortization. Mm-hmm. And under a million EBITDA, I was typically trade for one to three, maybe three and a half times earnings. Mm-hmm. Unless you're a SaaS company. It, SaaS companies are the only yes. industry that will trade for multiple gross revenues. So I if know. your CPA tells you that you're going to get a multiple gross revenues, your CPA is incorrect. <laughs> yeah. Now, if your business has over a million EBITDA, and everybody should strive to get their business over a million EBITDA. Then your business will start trading at five and up, depending upon these synergies. Mm-hmm. So proprietary is the number one value driver. It can take you from a five multiple to six to seven to an eight to a 10. Wow. This is why everybody needs to pay attention. <laughs> <laughs> so branding is, there are six pillars to proprietary. The other two P's are very quick. So I'm, this is going to take me a little bit of time. That's but fine. It's, it's important for your listeners to hear this. Um, the more well-branded, so branding is number one. The more well-branded your company is, the more I can sell it for, as long as your brand is relevant in the mind of the consumer. Mm-hmm. Is anybody paying any money for Blockbuster? No. No. The most valuable brand in the world is? Google. Nope. They're in the top 10, but they're not the most valuable. Amazon. Nope, it's the other A. Apple. Apple. (laughs) (laughs) Apple is worth $359 billion. And that's just for the brand. That's not cash flow, assets, inventory, real estate. That's just the brand. brand. $359 billion. That makes sense. And so trading books are very important. I think this is going to be valuable to your listeners, Tony, because most business owners get this wrong. Yeah. So most business owners are like, oh, they think of a company name. They go to GoDaddy and they plug in their company name. They're like, yes, I got the dot com. And they're so excited. So then they go to the state of New York, Texas, Louisiana, California, wherever you happen to be. And they get a state trademark. But the biggest mistake they make is they never check the federal database to make sure that that company name is available because you could be in business for 5, 10, 15 years and all of a sudden, bam, you receive a and desist letter in the mail and you have to stop using that company name because you don't own the federal trademark. Somebody else does. Right. So you need to get a federal trademark. It costs about $1,500 to $2,000, but it's worth the investment because if you receive that letter and you have to start all over, then guess what you're doing? You're restarting your brand. And that's for everything, Tony. Get a federal trademark on your company name, your slogan, your podcast. Okay. Your products. A lot of people don't think about federal trademarking their products. 
We have a company that we're selling in the 50 to $60 million range, and they have 12 exclusive products. Each product has a federal trademark. One product is exclusive to Walmart, one's exclusive to Target, and so on. So protect that IP. Patents are also very big. If you've ever watched Shark Tank, yes, you know patents are huge. Every mm-hmm. shark asks, do you have a patent? Do you have a patent pending? And their offers are always contingent upon you proving that you have a patent. Mm-hmm. Um, if any of your listeners are, are listening and they want to get on Shark Tank, we can help you get on Shark Tank. We can help you with the valuation. We can help you with the pitch. We can help you prepare your business to get a deal from one of the sharks. And so patents are huge. We once sold a company for $18 million. It wasn't making much money, but they had 18 patents. Wow. Contracts are very valuable. Contracts for manufacturing, distribution, vendors, franchise or contracts with franchisees. Um, client contracts are the most valuable, especially if they're reoccurring revenue. Mm. So let's say your women's network. Mm-hmm. They pay so much per month. Right. That's a reoccurring Current revenue model. Yep. Yep. And so that's very valuable. But here's the mistake the business owners make. And I would say, you're probably making the same mistake, Tony. <laughs> I probably am. Tell because me about it. <laughs> I've been doing this for 20 years, thousands of, tra- over a thousand transactions, but, you know, lots of uh, business evaluations. I've never met a company that got this right. I never met a business owner that got this right. You need the two-sentence transferability clause in your contract. You need it for your women's network. that says this contract is transferable upon the new entity. Okay. Because what happens is 98% of all sales are asset sales, not stock. If the buyer doesn't agree to stock sell, and let's say that you have 10,000 women in your network, mm-hmm. are you going to go to all 10,000 and get consent to transfer signed? No. No, plus you don't, plus because of confidentiality, you don't want everybody knowing that you're selling your business. So you got to be proactive and get that transferability clause. Makes sense? Makes perfect sense. Okay. So um, databases are really big. Mm. And I want everybody to pay attention on this because this is really important. A lot of clients will say, oh, Michelle, I got you know, a hundred thousand followers on Instagram. You don't got anything. <laughs> you don't Instagram got anything. Instagram has it. Instagram, Instagram has it. Has it. I right. got 50,000 followers on Facebook. You don't got anything. <laughs> Facebook has it. That's Same thing right. with LinkedIn. You don't own any of that. So That's you right. need to create a funnel to capture those leads to get them into your database, into your CRM. Databases are very valuable, especially if the clients have been nurtured and it can be retargeted and repurposed like your business network of women that can be repurposed and retargeted to people that will pay good money for that. Mm -hmm. Facebook paid $19 billion for WhatsApp and WhatsApp was hemorrhaging, (laughs) but they had a synergy. They had a billion users. So Facebook knew they could ROI and they can monetize on that. So Facebook pay $19 billion for a billion users. So that's what we're talking about right now is synergies that can catapult your business and really maximize your value. The next one is celebrity endorsements. Mm-hmm. We have a client that works with Oprah and has products in front of Oprah, endorsed by Oprah. 
Well, guess what? A strategic will pay a lot of money for that because everybody wants their products in front of the queen of everything. That's right. You know, everything she touches turns to go. go. Right. So everybody will want their products in front of her. Mm -hmm. Same thing with celebrity endorsements. You know, we was sold a skincare company that had prime real estate on radio and they were endorsed by some really big celebrities at the time. Mm-hmm. Celebrities like Oprah and radio personalities can only endorse one vertical at a time. Do you see Sydney Crawford endorsing any other furniture company other than rooms to go? No. No. Do you see Jennifer Anderson's face on any other skincare products other than Avino? Nope. No, because they lose credibility. So when you get that prime radio spots or those celebrity endorsements or radio personalities or celebrities too, mm-hmm. that's big money that strategists will pay for because that's what we call prime digital real estate. Mm-hmm. Same thing with content. Content is always king. Here's a big mistake. You hire interns, right? Mm-hmm. You got interns, you got 1099s and they're writing content for you. Or you go to Elance or Fiverr or something like that. Right. You got to have an agreement in writing with them that you own the content. They don't own it. Same thing with video, photography, et cetera. Anybody that does any creative work for you, you want an agreement with that provider that states that you own the content. Okay. Um, that's a good one. That's a good one. They're all good, Tony. Yeah. (laughs) But I know, I know you're right. You're right. You're right. I got (laughs) to back off off of that one, but I know that a lot of my people utilize that. And I do as well for people who write like blogs and different things like that for me. You got to own the content because you could be in a lawsuit one day. Yeah. Yeah. And same thing, get that transferability language in your contracts. Okay. Um, so the other one is any of my e-commerce businesses, let's say one of your women manufacture mask mm-hmm. and they're number one or number, they're in the top three spots in Etsy mm-hmm. and on Amazon, or they manufacture pillows and they're number, top three positions in Wayfair mm-hmm. or eBay. These online, online positioning is huge. Wow. And strategists will pay a lot of money for that. And I can go on and on and on. I mean, engineers that have drawings and floor plans, you know, we're talking about that IP in your business that can really drive value. Yeah. So any questions on um, proprietary, the fourth P before I move on? You can move on. That's good. All good stuff. So the fifth P is patrons. This is your customer base. Most businesses follow the 80-20 rule where 80% of their revenue comes from 20% of their clients. Mm -hmm. That's called customer concentration. You don't want customer concentration. You want customer diversification. Mm. So because you can be out of business very quickly. We were once selling a media business um, and they have five clients. We were selling in between 10 to 15 million. The reason they have five clients is because they cater to casinos and they have the five largest casinos. But during the process, they lost two clients out of the five. Their revenues dropped in half and their EBITDA dropped in half. They were no longer sellable. Wow. So you have to make sure you have customer diversification, not customer concentration. And then the last P, the, the reason why all of your listeners are in business for themselves it's profits, right? For all in business to make money. But people come to me all the time and say, Michelle, I have a profit problem. I'm like, no, 
you have a process problem or you have a people problem. Right. Because lack of profits is never the problem. It's a symptom of not operating on one of the other five Ps. I can promise you, if your listeners build their business on all these five Ps that we talked about, they will be profitable. They can't help but to be profitable. Yep. It's it's foolproof. <laughs> I would have to say so. But you got to operate on all five Ps and then you'll be profitable. If you don't, you're not going to be profitable. It's that simple. Wow. Wow. So this is good stuff. I mean, you know, all I can say is like, wow. And everybody definitely should go out and get the book Exit Rich. So tell us about the book. So yes, you're right. Everybody should get Exit Rich. Exit Rich was endorsed by Steve Forbes saying that Exit Rich is a goldmine for entrepreneurs as they leave way too much money on the table when they sell their business. Have you heard of Sharon Lecter? Mm-hmm. So I've never met a podcast host that has told me no. <laughs> no, she, she's an author. Everybody knows Sharon Lecter. She wrote Rich Dad, Poor Dad with Robert Kiyosaki. Yeah, yeah. She's a CPA, financial literacy expert, and the advisor to many different presidents. Mm -hmm. She writes the mentor's corner after each one of my chapters. Oh, nice. And then Kevin Harrington, the original shock on Shark Tank, wrote the foreword. Plus, we have glowing testimonials from Les Brown, mm -hmm. who is my... I love Les Brown. I mean, I can like never get enough of Les Brown. That's right. And then <laughs> Jack Canfield and Mark mm -hmm. Victor Hansen, who wrote Chicken Soup for the Soul, Brian Tracy, Tom Hopkins, Brad Sugars from Action Coach, Brandon, right. uh, Brandon Dawson from Grant Cardone's company. Mm -hmm. So we have glowing, glowing testimonials. So Exit Rich is not just about selling your business because most businesses are not sellable. It's about actually building a sellable asset mm -hmm. that you can, that's sustainable, that you can scale. And when you're ready, you can sell for maximum value because you can create a bidding war while buyers will pay you top dollar for the, for the sell of your company. That makes so, sense. That's Exit Rich. Now it did, Exit Rich did launch a few weeks ago, like you mentioned, June 22nd. Exit Rich is a Wall Street Journal bestseller a USA Today bestseller, and of course, Amazon. Um, so Wall Street Journal is huge for us because that's like the number one place you want to make be for a business bestseller book. Right, right. And um, <clears throat> Exit Rich, you can, you can get it several different ways, but you can go to ExitRichBook.com because at ExitRichBook.com, that's where all the bonuses are. Okay. So for anybody that lives inside the United States, you can go to exitrichbook.com for $24.79 plus shipping. We will email you the digital download. We'll ship the hardcover to your doorstep. We will give you a lifetime membership into the Exit Rich Book Club. And at the Exit Rich Book Club, we have video content of me doing deep dives and, and, and deep dives and different techniques and strategies that I've been teaching the last 20 years in the trenches, plus documents. Now, this is very valuable for your listeners, Tony, probably more so than, than, than any other podcast, because your listeners probably need these documents. Right. Documents to operate your business, documents to sell your business. So we have sample employee handbooks, non-competes. We have sample policy and procedure manuals, org charts. To sell your business, we have sample letter of intents, purchase agreements, due diligence checklists, closing docs, all the documents you need to operate and sell your company 
are there for your review and download. Wow. It would cost your listeners over $50,000 if they tried to recreate all of these documents. I know because I've paid the money. <laughs> Plus, we give them a 30-day free membership into Club CEOs. Club CEOs is an entrepreneurship mastermind where we ask those transformational questions. So we help business owners pivot and build that sustainable, scalable, sellable business. All for $24.79 plus shipping at exitrichbook.com. Now, if you're outside the United States, go to Amazon. If you buy it on Amazon, if you buy Exit Rich or any of your favorite bookstores like Barnes & Noble, Books A Million, just email me the receipt and email us the receipt and we will make sure you still get the bonuses. Okay. And where should they email? Marketing? Marketing at SilarTalker.com. Yeah. Don't email me because I get thousands of emails. <laughs> Marketing at SilarTucker.com. All right. right. Let's say that again. Marketing at SilarTucker.com. Make sure Correct. we'll put that in the show notes and everything as well. And our main website is SilarTucker.com. And then everyone can connect with me. You can follow me, Michelle Siler Tucker on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and connect with me on LinkedIn. Awesome. 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 Well, Michelle, this has been a power packed interview. I have to tell you as a home girl from new Orleans, you have really delivered the goods today. We appreciate you. you. And we definitely will have to have you back on the platform. And I have to have you on the stage on the virtual stage at the 10th annual, oh my God, the 10th annual small business bootcamp for women. So that's going to be awesome. And uh, I'll send you the details on that, but that's going to be awesome. So is there any, you know, are there any parting words or parting advice that you would like to leave our listeners with today? Yeah. The big thing I always like to say is, um, you know, your network equals your net worth. If you want to be successful, you hang out with successful people. Mm-hmm. You want to be rich, you hang out with rich people, right? Mm-hmm. Rich women. Um, you want to be broke, hang out with broke people. It's your choice. <laughs> <laughs> but entrepreneurship, you know, is a network, right? We're a community of entrepreneurs. Mm-hmm. And I always say, I always say to learn from somebody else's mistakes, not from your own. Right. Find yourself a mentor, find yourself a coach, find yourself who's someone, not just any mentor, somebody who's actually been down the path, the road that you want to travel, because they will shorten your learning curve dramatically and they will shorten your path to success dramatically. And my favorite quote, because it's my quote, is it's hard to read the label from the inside of the bottle. Right. You need that's, an outsider's perspective. You know, outsider's perspective to read the warning signs and keep you out of the danger zone. It's not what you know that gets you in trouble. It's what you don't know. Mm-hmm. So get a mentor, get an expert. You know, entrepreneurship doesn't have to be lonely, especially women entrepreneurship. There's so many entrepreneurs that love to help other entrepreneurs be successful. Mm. That's awesome. Great, great advice from Michelle Seiler Tucker. We're really excited that you were able to be on the show. Thank you. I can't thank you enough. I don't know if you saw how my <laughs> wheels were turning while you were talking. I was just like, mm, okay, okay. I have some work to do, Michelle. That's for sure. That's funny because a lot of podcast hosts always like, oh my gosh, this was for me. <laughs> <laughs> and that's and like writing down exactly, so many yep. notes. That's exactly how I felt. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Well, thank you for having me on. Awesome. 
Thank you. It's a pleasure to be with you. Wow, what a great episode. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. I learned so much from Michelle. Well, there you have it. Another episode of the Network for Women in Business podcast down in the books. I hope that you will subscribe and share and rate this podcast as we love delivering great content to you on a regular basis. Take care and we'll see you on the next episode.